0: in psalms 35 uh, 23 it says this stir up yourself stir up yourself and wait to my right and to my cause now when you say stir up yourself you think you're talking about yourself but here this context of scripture is literally someone's talking to god he's saying god you need to stir yourself up he said wait to my right and to my cause my god and my lord so david obviously is going through some challenges in life and he needs god to say hey you understand what I'm going through? How many of us, that's kind of like how we are with God? You know, we get in some conflict. like, God, you need to help me out, right? Come on, God, you need to help me out. What about what I'm going through right now? What about what I'm dealing with right now? I mean, can you wake up? Where are you at? Are you even awake? You're praying, and you're not getting any answer. You're thinking, where's God at? And you're saying, stir up. Wake yourself to my cause. I mean, isn't it, you know, I got uh, things going on, and I need you to look at my case. I need you to help me out, Right? And, man, when we get in trouble, we don't want God to not show up. Right? I mean, we are. I mean, and isn't it like, you know, believers, they find themselves when they're in trouble. They're in church all the time. they in the Word all the time. they praying all the time. I mean, because they, they need God to show up. And they don't relent from that thing. Because as long as it is, I mean, we're talking, God, where are you at? Where are you right now? I need you. Do you not see what's going on in my life? Okay. And so, you know, here's this issue, this, you know, and we always want God to stay on our case. We want Him there to deliver us. Come on, God, take care of me. Get me out of this trial. Get this trouble away from me. I don't want to feel this way anymore. All this stuff. But I have to ask this question. Are we remaining with His cause? Because I want you to understand, God is always on your case. If you'll always be on His case. Because Matthew 6.33 is really telling on how we are supposed to move in life. He said, but seek first. Seek what? First, not second, not the first Sunday of every month. Are you with me? Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. That's His way of doing things. And all the things that the Gentiles seek, all the things that are going on in life. I'm going to add them to you. In fact, he he precedes this verse and says, don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear. He said, don't even worry about life. So when trouble comes, don't even worry about it. In fact, Jesus said, when trouble comes, laugh. Just laugh about it. But we like, God, we need you now. I mean, I need you now. What about my case? Can you wake up? Can you show up right now and get me up out this mess? And you need to get here now. I mean, I need you here. I need you yesterday. I don't even know why you're late right now. But God's not late. God's never been late. God's always on time. Period. A lot of times the mess we're in is not a God problem. It's a us problem. Because we got our priorities out of alignment. And as a result of that, God would say this. If you'll just stay on my cause, then your cause will always be dealt with. Always. Don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, what you're going to drink. Don't worry about these things in life. Look, what everybody else is running around like the chicken with their head cut off and trying to figure it out and cry out to God, whether it's Jesus or other gods that they make up trying to get help. If you'll just seek my kingdom and my righteousness, when anything comes, I'll take care of it. I got your back. There's no problem here. But the priority is, is we've got to be on his cause. So with that being said, we have to ask the question, do we have a cause? First Samuel chapter 17, verse 29, David, King David said it this way. And he is king at this point, though he's not wearing the crown and he's not sitting on the throne, but he's already been anointed as king. And it says, And David said, What have I done now? Is there not a cause? Now what's happened in this particular passage of Scripture is that Dad has sent David, who's still shepherding sheep, although Samuel, the prophet, has already anointed him as king. Because King Saul's still in the seat. He's still the one that's over the government of Israel. Yet, it's been stripped of him spirit in the spirit realm. God has already pulled it from him and moved it over to David. But David won't go get on a throne that Saul is in. So he's still out with the sheep. And dad says, now, there's a, there's a fight with the Philistines, and our, your other brothers have gone to war, and I need you to go take them some food. Now, wouldn't that be something? If today we had to personally show up with our family members over in Iraq or Afghanistan to take them food. So here David shows up to bring food to his family. And when he shows up, all the soldiers are struggling because something's been going on all this time. And David, you know, catches wind on what's going down. So all of a sudden, here comes that big giant, the Philistine. He comes out and he begins to taunt the armies of God. Well, when David hears this, this is a problem. He said, who is this uncircumcised Philistines that would defy the army of God? He can't even understand. Why are we standing up here? What's the problem? Then he catches when there's a benefit to those who actually destroy the giant. And he's asking this question. He's like, hey, what will happen for the one who will kill this giant? His older brother who was passed over for the king. The one literally that when Samuel saw him says, that must be the guy. Because he reminded him of King Saul. And the Lord says, that's not him, for man looks at the outward appearance, but I look at the heart. Pass him over. So here's the firstborn who's who's got some jealousy issues. All right? Because the firstborn in the nation of Israel gets a double portion, gets the blessing, a double portion of the blessing, but yet the youngest brother is already ordained king. So you may get a double portion of the family's, uh, um, Inheritance, but your dad, your brother, the youngest, is going to rule over you as king. He's going to own everything in every nation, in every tribe. Are you with me? So there's some jealousy issues, and he begins, I know what you're doing. I know what's in your heart. He didn't know what was in his heart, but don't people say that sometimes? I know what's wrong with you. Yeah, okay. So anyway, he begins to deal with him, and David turns to him and says, What have I done now? He says, Is there not a cause? We have to ask that question today. Is there not a cause? Is there not a cause for Christ? Is there not a cause for this thing called the body of Christ? Is there not a cause for this thing called the kingdom of God? This thing that Jesus preached about all the time. The kingdom of God is like this and the kingdom of heaven is like that. Is there not a cause? And Jesus is not the only one with the cause. Because if it was just him, then he wouldn't tell you to seek it. He wouldn't tell you to go after it. He wouldn't tell you to be a studier of it. He said to his disciples, which are pupils, those who studied, he said, Go make other disciples. He didn't say, go make converts. Go tell them that I died on a cross, rose from the grave. If they ask me to come in their heart, they'll be saved, so when they die, they go to heaven. He never said that. He said, go make them disciples. Enlist them into the kingdom. They'll be children uh, of God. They'll be royalty. They'll be citizens of the kingdom of heaven, and then begin to download into them by the Spirit, through your teaching, reveal to them the Word of God, so that they will be disciples. They will know how they should operate in this earth, so when they pray, like I tell you to pray, it will manifest. Our Father, not Jesus's. Too often we think it's just Jesus's Daddy. He said, when you pray, pray this way. Our Father. Your Father. My Daddy. Jesus's Daddy. Pastor Mark's Daddy. Pastor Marcy's Daddy. Right? Crystal's Daddy. Our Daddy. Who lives in Heaven. That's really what that means. Who art in Heaven. Just That's where His residence is. Hallow or holy is your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be on. God is not done with the planet. He's not done. We are more mindful of wanting to leave planet Earth, but God's more mindful of us uh, establishing His kingdom on the planet, continuing to allow the the uh, operation of His planet or of His kingdom to advance on this planet. Because when we die, we will be present with him. I am, all, I am heavenly minded in the, con- in the context that I need to know daddy's will. And that's where he lives. And Jesus, my big brother, is seated at his right hand. And he instructs me by his spirit what dad says so that his will can be done in the earth through me. I found out a long time ago that Jesus just didn't save me. Jesus brought me into a sonship where I can operate in inheritance now. Do you understand? um, A a last will and testament is designed for when someone dies, then you get to receive the inheritance. Do you understand? We can receive the inheritance that we have now in Christ. Christ has died. But what I love about this is that Jesus actually rose to make sure you get it like so if Chris leaves everything to his wife and his kids, when he dies, well, he's not literally going to be on the planet to make sure they do exactly what he said they do. He can send that document to a lawyer, and that lawyer could say, Yeah, but you know, Chris has some stuff, so what I'm gonna do is is now that he's gone, I'm gonna pull this out. We're gonna take this and put this copy here, and nobody's gonna know be us, and I'm gonna add this here, and we're gonna bring it in. And he can't do nothing about it. And if it's like when they read it before the court, it looks like that's a legal document, you know, and she says, Yeah, but I got another copy, sorry, you know, this superseded he came in later and she couldn't prove it. Next thing you know, there's this whole debacle about it, and Chris isn't here to be able to say, No, this is how it was. But that ain't how it is with Jesus' inheritance. Jesus died, rose from the dead, he sent his spirit here and said, no, this is what I said in the word, and this is mine. And this is for my kids. And this is what they can have. So when the enemy comes and says, Oh, I'm sorry, you know, you just stuck in this plan. You just be happy you going to heaven. No, Jesus said, No, no, no. Let me tell you what they can have now. Because Romans says we'll rule and reign in this life. Now, we don't rule over each other, obviously, but we are able to rule over the circumstances of our life. And we're able to rule over our own flesh so that we don't give in to things that separate us from God. Amen. So let's look at 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 10 through 21. I'm going to read a few scriptures today. This is out of the New Living Translation. But I believe it's good for us to hear. Because is there not a cause? Turn to your neighbor and say, is there not a cause? Go ahead. Just don't need look at them. Tap them on the shoulder and say, is there not a cause? Because a couple of them may be sleeping and they need to get up anyway. All right. I mean, you bold to sleep in a service where they're this close. No, you're not sleeping. I'm just kidding. So, dear brothers and sisters. Notice what P- Peter's saying. So, dear brothers and sisters. So, who? Dear brothers and sisters. He's not talking to pastors, apostles, prophets, evangelists, and teachers. He's not talking to the world. He's talking to the family. So, he's talking to you. He says, so, dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you really are among those called, uh, those God has called and chosen. Do these things and you will never fall away. So, again, this is, I understand we don't work to get salvation. Jesus worked and got that. But what we do is have a confession of faith. Now, once we have a confession of faith and we become a child of God, what takes place is the Bible's very clear that we become a new creature in Christ Jesus. The old spirit of man that's dead, separated from God in his sin, it leaves this skin suit. A new spirit comes on the inside of us and looks like Jesus. Then the Holy Ghost comes on the inside and talks to that spirit and says, you a child of God. And you know it. When you walk out over the building after you've prayed the prayer of salvation, you go, man, I'm a child of God. I'm different, something. You look at yourself, you're the same. But on the inside, you know something's different. Yeah. And you can't even comprehend it in your mind yet. But now the next work comes. Why? You've got to renew your mind. You've got to get it to line up and think like God. Because your mind didn't think like God before God ever showed up. Yeah. Your mind thought like you wanted it. You What you thought was right. There's a way that seems right, the Bible says. But in the end is death. So there's a lot of good things people think are good, but they're not good. They're really evil. They just don't know that because they can't discern between good and evil. The only way you can discern between good and evil is getting the word of God in you. So then he tells us later on, he said, now, listen, you've got to renew your mind. You've got to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So now you've got to educate yourself with kingdom education. There's a whole other system to learn. We don't think like we used to think. He said, man, when I was a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. When I became a child of God, I put away the world's thinking. The only way I can put it away is by studying God's word. Are you with me? So there's James tells us that we are to live by faith, not live faith by accepting Jesus as our Lord and Savior only. Faith, which is calling those things that be not as though they were or believe in things you can't see. That means you will perpetually do this your whole life. Just like us down in St. Augustine, much like what Pastor Mark talked about uh, this past month with you guys, uh, it's time to take possession of land. And for us down in St. Augustine, we have our eyes set on 25, where it's really 26 acres, be about 25 and a half when we're done, uh, that the Ponce de Leon Mall sits on. It's 178,000 square feet of building. I've been dealing with the ownership for some time and purchasing this. They've called me. We've, you know, negotiated things. I've got some down payments that I'm moving towards. I have some outside financing as well. There's just some different plans, plan A, plan B, whichever plan they take doesn't matter because God's already said for us to occupy. The ownership's already called me and said, you're our only viable buyer. Well, I know that because God needs the land. Not for me, because I don't need it. But God needs it. Are you with me? So you go after a thing God needs. And because of that, we're in faith. Because in the natural, we shouldn't have this. But in God, you believe, you say, you speak, you do. So I'm living by faith. My account does not say, you can buy this. But God says... And so we move towards, and things begin to negotiate to our favor. Why? In fact, when I first engaged them, they weren't even selling them all, and they had three ownerships, whole story in Gibson, and Mr. Gibson really didn't care for us at all. But when I met with him concerning some rent commencement, you know, we need another month. We need a couple more months before we can get in there, and they didn't do that. Even though they said they would do it, so they lied. And because they lied, God kept us. But he looked at me and he said, you don't want to buy them all. Now, I looked at the guy who went me and looked back at the guy and I thought, who said that? Because we didn't. Who's talking to this man? He said, we've never sold them all. I said, well, we've never bought one. (laughs) Amen. Now, again, I wasn't thinking maul, but I'll do whatever God says. Yes, and all the Israelites could have said. Wait, let's don't don't cross the Jordan. Let's just stay and take some of this land over here in the wilderness. No, they took the land God said take. There's plenty of property I could go around to look at, but then I'd just be looking for me instead of being where God wants me to be. And you understand, there's nothing you're doing for God that the world's not going to try to make it hard on you. That's where faith comes in. And you overcome. The world stands like a Goliath in the middle of a field, and says, "Just send your best. We'll fight. And if, and if and if I lose, all this nation here will serve you. But if I win, then you serve me. Now, you understand that was a lie anyway." Because when David killed Goliath, cut his head off, showed it to the nation, then the, it, then the Philistines should have just marched right out, laid down their weapons and say, we serve you, you heard what our guy said, he said we're supposed to be your slaves. Did they do that? No, they didn't do that. David, knowing this, in the spirit anyway, said to Goliath, no, you come with me a sword and a spirit, but I come to you in the name of the Lord. I am going to kill you, I'm going to cut your head off, and then we're going to kill everybody behind you because y'all are liars. Just go ahead and get ready, guys cause they ain't gonna do it after I kill him, and sure enough, that's why they went to running, and the army would got all like David killed the man, let's go and follow David and they ran down and they brought a slaughter that day. Are you with me now it doesn't seem like you can win when you're standing in battle and these swords are coming at you, but when you're in covenant, you can evade and it won't cut you or kill you though you're in the conflict. The problem is we're not pulling out the sword of the spirit, the word of God, and fighting back. We're just letting the enemy, you know, and you're trying to duck and dodge and you don't, you never pull your weapon out. And you're like, God, what about me? What about me? And the Lord's like, pull out your sword, man. I will empower you and let's get this thing on. Yeah, it's, the, oh, you, oh, oh, yeah. And eventually you're going to, uh um. Mm, Hmm. who's next, right? And cut its head off. Leave no doubt. Don't give it a chance to get back up. That's what I love about David. He's like, he ain't like horror movies, man. We cut it off, disassemble, move it over here. This ain't coming back. This ain't no stab and then it shows back up because it got some life somewhere. No, we cut your head off. That's how God is, man. He just eradicates. Okay, so we see here, then he goes on, James says that we live by faith. And he says, faith is a work. That's what I'm getting at. Okay? He says you show me your faith without works, I'll show you my faith by my works. You're not trying to work God, but you are pleasing him because you're living by faith. You're working the word. And so he says, look, dear brothers and sisters, man, you need to work hard. Meaning, that means you're going to have to put forth effort to accomplish what God's called us to do. Are you with me? Verse 11. Then God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Therefore, I will always remind you of these things, even though you already know them, and are standing firm in the truth you have been taught. It is only right that I should keep on reminding you as long as you live. That tells us this. Paul or Peter, speaking to the brethren, which uh, is the church, he's saying, i got to remind you of these things because you'll tend to want to forget them. And it doesn't bother me to remind you. Because life will show up and you'll forget your purpose. You'll forget your priority. You'll get pulled back. You'll find excuses that will pull you out of your purpose and priority. Okay? Jesus said we are to love him with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, and all of our love. Who? Him. That's all. It's all or nothing. God don't want half. God wants it all in. He wants you to be all committed to his purpose, his plan, his kingdom. Amen? Okay. So he goes on and says this. For, the Lord, for our Lord Jesus Christ has shown me I must soon lead this earthly life so I will work hard to make sure you always remember these things after I am gone. For we were not making up clever stories uh, when we told you about the powerful coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We saw his majestic splendor with our own eyes when, we received, when he received honor and glory from God the Father. The voice from, that, from the majestic glory of God said, This is my dearly loved Son, whom brings me great joy. We ourselves heard that voice from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. Because of that experience, we have uh, even greater confidence in the message proclaimed by the prophets. And you pay close you must pay close attention to what they wrote, for their words are like a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and Christ the morning star shines in your hearts. Here's what he's saying. He says, man, we heard what the prophet said, but then we experienced it. When we begin to walk out God's word and begin to experience it in our own personal lives, it gives us this experience. Where we're like, man, is, how can we not follow him? It's like Peter. Remember we looked at Jesus. Jesus looked at him, uh, looked at his disciples when he made this statement one day. He said, unless you drink my blood and eat my flesh. Unless you'll have no part of me and everybody's like what I'm talking about getting rid of your your church right preaching so that people go because they left no that's too hard that's man this it's cannibalism i don't he's crazy it's a crazy guy right and it, and jesus doesn't even skip a beat he looks at his own disciples who have been traveling and says y'all gonna go too He didn't go, oh, please don't leave, man. You know, we're going to have a good enough crowd. I mean, look, it's affecting my ministry. I don't want people to leave. Peter said, where are we going to go? You have words of life. He had understood something. But Peter still had issues. You're going to deny me, bro. No, not me. I cut this guy's ear off right now. (laughs) You're going to deny me. And he did. But he said, I'm praying for you. And once you're restored... You're going to go get the brethren. And Peter did, and God used him mightily as a result. stirred him up. Once, Once Peter got the Holy Ghost, he's a different guy. Verse 20 says, Above all, you must realize that no prophecy in Scripture ever came from the prophets' own understanding or from human initiative. No, those prophets were moved by the what? Holy Spirit, and they spoke from God. So I want to stir you up because, again, Peter is dealing with some things here. He said, look, i got to stir you up. And one way you stir up is for us to be able to maintain focus so that we always keep the kingdom first in our lives. We have to understand that there is the third person of the Godhead. We need to understand him, know him, and be acquainted with him. You know, most churches, they don't even really talk about God the Father. They talk a lot about Jesus Christ the Son. And Jesus Christ had a significant role. His role is is the, the dominion that Adam lost when he fell and sin entered the world. Jesus re, uh, restored that dominion and restored sonship. Adam was the son of God, but then he rebelled against God, ate the fruit, and died, meaning he became separate from God, spiritually dead. But Jesus restores the opportunity for mankind to be able to have a relationship with God again. But the relationship is not just so that when we die, we are with him. The relationship is so that we can do things with him now. Jesus said, you, we, Paul said, we are co... That's a dirty word in the church anymore. We are co-laborers with Christ, which means there must be a work that the body has to do. And it is work. That is a true statement. Again, that's a four-letter word in the church. I recognize that. But don't let that bother you. God's not afraid of work. When he put man in the garden, he gave him work to do. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. I like to be fruitful. I want to be fruitful doing what God's called us. And he's talking now. Paul, Peter's talking to the church. And he's saying, now listen. All this is done. Why? Because there's an impartation of the Spirit. God the Father, man, he created in six days, and on the seventh day he rested. Then man fell from dominion, so then Jesus gets involved, who's always been there. He's the Word. But the Word becomes flesh, and his assignment is, is to die so that he, we, he would be the sacrifice that would cover all the sins of humanity. But once we become children of God, then Jesus says this in John chapter 16, verse 7. He says, listen, it is to your advantage that I go. So he can come. Jesus was jacked about the Holy Spirit showing up in the planet. Extremely excited about the Holy Spirit. In fact, if the Holy Spirit wasn't talking to you, you couldn't even get born again anyway. The Bible says no man comes after God, no not one. The only reason you got born against is because the Holy Spirit that's in this room right now and is in some of the vessels in this room right now, He is drawing, He's talking to the hearts of people and saying, you need me, you need me, and the way you get me is you accept Jesus. You need me to show up in your life. You need me to get inside your skin suit. You need to become the temple of the... Holy Spirit. Now, the Bible's very clear. When He comes, He's only going to talk to you about Jesus. Well, why is that? Because Jesus is not just a man. We know Jesus as Jesus because that's the name we gave this skin suit when the Word became flesh. The Holy Spirit will always remind you of what Jesus is saying because he needs the word to be in your life. Why? Because Ecclesiastes 8.4 tells us where the word of a king is, there is power, and Jesus is the king. Not only is He savior of the word, meaning he paid the price so everyone could get into the household of God, but he is the one in authority. He will judge the living and the dead. Whether you accept you can go hashtag not my king all day long, but he's the king. Are you with me? Hashtag Jesus not my savior. He's the savior of the world. But he's king, period. Now he may not be your savior because you don't accept him, but he'll still your king whether you like it or not. Because the Bible is very clear every knee will. This is what happens when you bow before a king. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess Jesus Christ is Lord. Lord is not a religious word. It literally means supreme in authority, and Jesus is. And he'll look at you and say, look at all the opportunities I gave. Look at all the labors that came by your path. Look at all the people who told you about me. Look at all the people who told you the way. Look how many people showed you. Look how many times my spirit opened up. And he'll show you your own heart when the Holy Ghost said, you need this. Come now. Respond. Believe. And then you'll hear your own spirit that's separated from God say, no, I'm not. i be glad when this service is over so I can leave and eat. You'll hear the whole conversation. Are you with me? We need the Holy Spirit. John chapter 4 verse 26 says this, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring you and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. You understand, the Holy Spirit is there to stir us up to do the work. The work. In fact, the Bible tells us in Ephesians uh, that the fivefold ministry, and Pastor Mark's already ministered this year on being equipped. It is to equip the saints for the... Work. For the what? Work. For the what? Work. See, and the problem is, you think you're off today. No, this is when you get your biggest reward. Because when you go to work on Monday, that's chump change. See, we got to get our perspective. The paycheck you get from your employer is nothing compared to the creator of heaven and earth. When you do something for him, he gets you in a health care system that has no side effects, no prepayments. You don't have to take any type of prescription. All you got to do is call on the blood of Jesus and be healed. He's your provision. He'll keep your stuff from wearing out. I mean, it's huge. If you'll serve the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, if you'll do everything unto the Lord, no matter what you do, you do it as unto Christ, I'm telling you right now, man, He'll change your life. He's the one who'll get you a promotion. Because if you get a promotion that takes you out of the assembling together, I question whether that's God. Why would God give you a job that you can't get back around other believers? And I know what you're going to say. You say, well, you know, but I'm being a You guess what? You ain't being a for long because if you disconnected from the source, you're going to have a problem. Come on. How many of you know some believers that ain't living for God today and they ain't even going to church and they talk like everybody else at work? But if you go and say, well, hey, man, well, Bobby, I, I, I ask Jesus to come to my heart. We say, well, I'm good. We're good. Well, why are you cussing all the time? How come I see you drinking on the weekends with the guys? How come you're so rude to your wife? How come you're holding a grudge against this person over there? Love done taken, account of suffering wrong. Don't judge me. That's so what they say. Don't judge me. I can if you say you're in the household of God because the Bible says that we judge the house first. And I'm not judging you. I'm not saying you damned going to hell. That's judgment. What I'm doing is I'm expecting your fruit. There's a problem with this one. This is supposed to be joy. But all I see bruises on it. That's why you sour face all the time. What's wrong, man? Man, my life's going terrible. Are you in a trial? Yes, yeah, it's a terrible trial. The devil's after me. Well, what did Jesus say to do in the trial? Because you don't look like you're bearing the fruit of that. Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. And you get that by the Holy Ghost. Consider it all. And it don't feel like it. you got to consider That means taking inventory. I should feel terrible right now. But I'm going to laugh. Yeah. Ha ha. Right? Ah, oh, Lord, you're well. You got this. You saw this before it ever came. I'm just, you tell me what to do, where to step, how to walk. I trust you. You're going to bring this thing to pass. Begin to seek him. Seek him first. And he'll cause that thing to change, adjust, move. But most people aren't doing it aren't doing it we got to stay stirred up in this now listen Paul recognized this look at this in Philippians chapter 3 oh we're doing good Philippians chapter 3 again New Living Translation says it this way no dear brothers and sisters so who's he talking to he's talking to the church he's not talking to five-fold ministers You know, you can't, I mean, you can't look at me with those eyes and say, yeah, you're a pastor. That's why you're passionate. That has nothing to do with being a pastor. I used to do stuff before I was ever a pastor. I remember one time driving in Hampton, Florida. Have you, anybody ever been to Hampton, Florida? You, you, yeah. I mean, there's like nothing there, right? Nothing, Jimmy. Nothing. I'm going through Hampton going because I'm staying in my brother-in-law's trailer. We, my wife and I am... Two kids at the time are, are staying in my brother-in-law's trailer, and I'm coming off a Title X tour with the Florida Army National Guard, You know the first wave that uh, George H. Uh, Bush had with um, Operation Desert Storm. And so I was out at Camp Blanding. We were fixing vehicles that were coming back from there, and that tour was about to end, so I was fixing to be out of a job. And so I was praying on the way home on that dirt road. Father... What am I supposed to do next, right? I'm sitting, and the Lord, I heard it. I heard it in my spirit. But he didn't come into there and say, hey, I'm glad you talked to me. Can we talk? He didn't show up like that. But something on the inside, I heard him say, move to Atlanta. And the only thing I knew about Atlanta was that Marcy's dad, who divorced her mother when she was three, and she really had no relationship with the guy, lived there. And we had visited him a few times, but really, I mean, we're talking surface relationship. And God says, move to Atlanta. Now, at that point, I created in my mind, oh, okay, I get it. I wasn't in the ministry at all. I mean, I was just in the National Guard. I get it. So my wife and I and my kids are going to move to Atlanta, and we're going to go to church because we're going to church. And we are going to live God in front of her dad and some other family members there, and they're all going to get born again. And they'll get born again because I am going to go up there. I'm going to get a great job. We're going to have a nice house. They're going to see how blessed we are with our kids because we go to church, and everybody's going to want to be saved because their life is in hell. Broken is terrible. So I answered the call. I didn't have a job. Nothing. I had a destination in Marietta. I had a destination, so we loaded up the little Mazda 323. My wife was in there with um, uh, our youngest son, Chase, who screamed and hated car seats. So she got to hear, what, the whole time. And then I'm in my brother-in-law's pickup truck because my truck's too small to carry the rest of our stuff and pull our little bitty, you know, U-Haul trailer. And so Sean and I are in there. Did we have a dog? Okay, maybe not. Uh, maybe my brother went with me. I don't remember, but we're driving and we are off to Atlanta. July Fourth weekend. It was July third, man. We were like, ah, going down. I'm on 75 North. All of a sudden, round Jasper, the day, two days before, a t- crane had hit an overpass and and caused it to fall down in the road. So they had to detour us through Jasper around about. Well, we're sitting on 75 July Fourth weekend at noon, sunny Florida. And it was. It took us two hours to go four miles. People are pulled off to the left and to the right. Man, their cars are all overheating everything. It's like, what is going on, you know? And here I am, got my wife. I don't, I'm just going to her dad's house that she don't really know. And I don't even have a job, but God told me to go. So I'm following him because that's faith. I don't need, I'm not even filled with the Holy Ghost at this point. I'm just listening to the Holy Ghost on the inside right now. I have limited power. I've not been exposed to everything God has for me yet. So we pull off, and here I am, man, and God's so gracious. He's awesome. We stopped at a Dairy Queen because we had two, you know, two, two hours to go four miles, man. I'm like, we stop. and let, I mean, let's stop. So we stopped, got something to eat, and then we pulled our vehicles around, and we ate a little bit more, and then we went to crank up, and Marcy's car would not crank up. Dead. I mean, nothing. Like, man, seriously. Now, you're at a gas station, but it's not a station. You know, they're just gas with a grocery store, really, is all it is. So there's no mechanic. And I got everything I own right here. I mean, we have been gone long enough. I should be in Atlanta now. We've already been six and a half hours. And I'm still stuck in Florida. And I, I don't know what to do. I'm not a mechanic, man. When I went to the military, I was climate control. I was electronics, man. I know nothing about it. I just know how to change oil, and that's about it. I can change a tire. That's about it. Other than that, I'm in trouble. We have no jumper cables asking. I knew that would work, but nobody has them. Finally, a guy showed up, had no shirt on, had jean shorts on. They were cut so short, the white pockets were sticking out. He had no shoes. He had kind of like some scraggly hair like he probably was a hippie at one time, but he's losing a little bit up top, and he's holding on. And he was real skinny. You know, you could see his ribs, and he goes, what's going on? I said, man, my thing's dead. I can't crank it up. He goes, you got any jumper cables? I said, I'll tell you in a minute. Don't mess up my story now. And so I'm like, um, no, we don't. And he goes, well, my name's Junior. I'm from Tifton, Sylvester, Georgia. Actually, I'm from Sylvester. I said, oh, okay. And his little kids were running around half naked like he was. I never want him to bend down because his shorts were that short. You understand what I'm saying? And so he's walking around. He goes, he goes, well, is that your truck? I said, yeah, that's my truck. He said, well, let's pull that battery out. So he pulls the battery out with a pair of pliers out of the truck because it cranked up. He set it down on the 323. Three. He, said, he said, now, here, let me grab this tire iron that, you know, you break the lugs off when you change tires and then the pliers. He said, now, get in there, and when I tell you to hit it, hit it. <laughs> this happened hit it, hit it, and I'm, la, 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 I don't know what's happening to him on the outside, but he's holding on, bro, I'm telling you, he's holding on, that thing cranked up, I was like, woo, yeah, she was like, all right, all right, and he put, put my thing, and said, all right, y'all, and I tell you, to this day, to this day, Every time I go through Tifton, I see Sylvester, I say, Lord, I pray for Junior and his family. I don't know if he's born again. He could have been an angel for all that. I have no idea who this guy is. But he saved me that day. I got to Atlanta in 12 hours. (laughs) Because I I could have turned around and said, I am not following you, God. This is too hard. But there's something about being a child of God that when Daddy says do something, do it. Come to find out later on, years later, probably two years ago, there was a couple that was coming to our church, and I told this story. Huh? Yeah, this was like 1993. No, 93. Yes, 93. Because Brianna was born in 94. Nine months, baby. That's how long it takes to have a baby. She was born in February, so she. Got, we got. We got pregnant before we left. Because the day we got there. Within a month, I moved out, which I shouldn't have. We got into this apartment. Roaches started showing up at at night. That's like the plagues of Egypt, man. I was like, the walls were moving. Marcy took a pregnancy test, and she's pregnant. I have no job. She's pregnant with another child. We're in in, in an apartment that is uh, roach-infested, and I've given them a deposit money. That's all the money we have because I still don't have a job. My father-in-law, who was not born again, was saying, just stay with me. And I'm like, you don't know. You're lost. That's what I thought. I got to do this because I got to show you that God will do something. But I didn't realize for me to change his life, I had to actually live with him. See, I I didn't understand how to be led by the Spirit. He was in me talking to me because I was born again. But I wasn't in due with power. I had not developed myself so that I could hear the Holy Ghost talk to me. Didn't understand that at the time. And I went back to his house. They did give us deposits. See, God's mercy and grace was there the whole time. Anyway, a couple years ago, couples at our church, and I tell this story. And this lady's, it was her cousin. And got in touch with him. And asked him, do you remember? He said, yeah, I remember that. Wow. Good news is he's born again. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Isn't that exciting? So all those years that we would go up to Atlanta and back, you know, because her dad lived there for years. And I would ever go back. Go, you know where I'm at. You might go to Tiffin, you see it. Sylvester, I pray. Oh, Lord, I pray for Junior. And I still pray for him today. I'll go by today. Mm, no, maybe not. Um, but um, I'll pray every time for them. Because, you know, even if he's born again, he still needs God's protection, love. He did something for me that day. Are you with me? Okay, so dear brothers and sisters, I've not achieved Paul saying this, but I focus. What? Well, we're talking about stirred focus. One thing. We're getting close. Ready? Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the uh, end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Jesus Christ, is calling us. Let us who are spiritually mature agree on these things. Meaning. You know, those who are spiritually mature. What I'm saying, spiritually mature people, you should agree. He says if you disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you. And that's He's saying, uh, I don't need to do that. God's saying, You're not spiritually mature enough to understand, and God's going to have to teach you. So if you have an attitude that you shouldn't press to attain, you're spiritually immature. That's what He's saying. He goes on and says, verse 16, but we must hold on to the progress we have already made. Dear brothers and sisters, again, talking to the body. That means Paul's not the only one who has to press. Every one of us have to press based upon the call on our lives. Every one of us. He goes on and says, pattern your lives after mine and learn from those who follow our example. The reason why you have a pastor is so you can watch him press. Press. And you can say, okay, I'm going to press. Because don't you think Pastor Mark has had some conversations in the morning on Sunday and said, I don't feel like going to Anchor Faith today. I have. Down with two services. and I thought, man, I could just lay here. But you know what? I can't, cause I love him, and so I gotta press. I gotta get up. Doesn't matter what happened the night before. Doesn't matter how many problems I've been dealing with with all the other people. Doesn't no matter what kind of trials I'm in. Don't matter how, all that stuff that's taking place. I gotta press on. And so that is the example. Because I mean, seriously, if you all showed up here at 10:30, and by 11 o'clock, Pastor Mark rolled in and said, "Oh, okay, yeah, right. I'm sorry, I was late. Yeah, we can start playing now." You'd be like, "Who? What is going on?" Right? Yet he's there drumming watching the door. Oh, um, okay, that's fine. I'll talk about our church then. In uh, St. Augustine, man, I'll be out there worshiping God, man, and we have this thing. You know why we do it? It's so sad, it's so sad. But we do it for the immature. We do an opening song and we get up. Hey, we're so excited you're here at Anchor Faith Church. Turn to somebody and tell them you love them. You know, slap five people in the hands or whatever the case may be. Whoever meets and greets. And then we do our announcements. Then we start worship. Why do we do that? Because 100 people will show up in 10 minutes from um, the start of service from 11 to 1110. So I have to hang out for them. Sometimes I started preaching right at 11. they show up, Pastor's already preaching already? Then I'll know they yeah, you ought to get up in here. It's good. <laughs> right? Why? Well, it's about pressing. It's about God. Listen, God has called you. I mean, if you were in the parking lot, God's called you. I mean, how many kids? I was over there. I wanted to stay over there with Caleb uh, and, and uh, um, uh, little Myrna because, man, I wanted to do the little thing with the kids, man. I wanted to keep the little bounce. I am thinking, I could beat Caleb. I could beat him. I was thinking that last week we had Father's Day with ours, and we did a pull-up contest. And last year, I beat all the guys. Every one, I don't care whether they were 18 or whether they were a 65. I beat them all. 27 pull-ups. Get some. <laughs> Man, my, my 20-year-old guys, they were like ticked up. That's, that's your air beat us. They hated that. So they've been practicing. So I'd walk in, I'd say, if you're not out of the 20s, you ain't going to win. I just say stuff like that, you know. So the day of, you know, uh, Josh Clay, your brother-in-law, he's like, your record last year, 27? He said, I blew the doors off that. I've blown the doors off. Four more is blowing the doors off, apparently. Four more. He did 31. My wife was out there. She said, hey, if y'all ain't doing 45, forget about it. Y'all might as well get off the rack. Right? So I hit 18 and I ripped my chest. I felt it because I'd done it two a week and a half earlier uh, when I took the young adults out in this place called Velocity and I ended up ripping it and I couldn't do any pull ups. But I was able to do 37 still that day and beat everybody in the church at 47. Get some. Right. So I can beat Caleb over there with that spoon and that egg. I'm thinking I can do that. But what's more important is, is that I'm investing into your child's life. And they're worth it. Because, man, when people invested in me when I was young, it was worth it. But the stuff this church knows concerning the things of God to get it into their age at that young, man, you'll save them from all kind of conflict. I mean, how many of you said, man, I wish I'd have known more when I was younger? Then give it away now. Uh, i like to go help with the children, but I'm tired. I worked all week. No, you haven't. You work for yourself all week. Work for God. Because he'll equip you. He'll quicken you. The Holy Ghost to do something great. So this is why you have this example. Verse 18. For I've told you often before, and I say it again with tears in my eyes. <laughs> that there were many. This is a man whose conduct shows they are really enemies of the cross of Christ. Wow. They are headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things. And they think only uh, about this life here on earth. When we should be thinking, how does God's heaven realm impact this earth while I'm here through me? But we are what? Citizens of heaven. Where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. And we are eagerly waiting for him to what? Return as our savior. So while I'm here in the earth, Paul said this. He said, look, I'm betwixt between two places. i I going to go on to be with the Lord, which is far better. Or to remain here with you. And what did he pick? This is why he was in a prison uh, in the, the letter of Philippa that he wrote to the Philippians that one Greek scholar said he was in the lowest part of the prison which means where all the waste of the prisoners would go to the middle of the room, go down a hole and fall down to the place where Paul's at. And Paul's their chain there. And it's so dark because again, we think of prisons, you're thinking of ours where they can watch TV and work out and go out. No, this is different. We're talking about a different time. He's down in the bottom part and it's all, you know, rock and it's all wet and he's got, uh, uh, iron shackles on him that have rusted. Guys are dying of gangrene. They said historically speaking that these guys that would be down these places, rats would run across the waste and begin to eat on the skin of the prisoners as they were hanging on the walls. No light. Paul's here. This is why he's betwixt. (laughs) And he's thinking, man, it'd just be better to go on. Because now I've been in prison for Christ. I mean, if I'm just going to stay here the rest of my days, I might as well just die. How am I going to do something significant? But he got a love gift, money, from the Philippian church saying, we believe you're going to get out. And when you do, here's the finances to bring you to us. And that's what that whole letter is about. But he was convinced, he said, whether to go on and be with Jesus, which is far better, or to remain here with you, that's what I should do. What was he saying? I have to press, there's a work as an assignment, I'm not done. Paul later in his life said, I've run my race, I've finished my course to Timothy. But he couldn't say that at the time he wrote the letter in the Philippi church. He said, man, I've got to keep going. I got to press, and it feels like, let's just die. And if he can do that, we can do that. We can do this. So what is Paul's resume? Look at this, man. In Second Corinthians eleven twenty-three to twenty-eight, it says this: Are they servants of Christ? Uh... I speak as if insane. I more so in far more labors and far more imprisonments, beaten times without number, often in danger of death. Five times I received uh, from the Jews 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. One night and a day I spent in the deep. I have been on frequent journeys in dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my countrymen, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers in the sea, dangers among false brethren. I have been in labor and hardship through many sleepless nights and hunger and thirst often without food and cold and exposure that's enough to say let me go now that's not my resume but that was paul saying there's one thing i do forget what lies behind no matter how hard that was i'm not done i got to go which tells me this if paul can put that down then we can put down you know what i could serve more in my local body i could witness more i could touch someone more i could be there Right. Having a bad hair day is not a day to call out. Wear a hat. You'll be fine. Whatever. You got to stir yourself up. Anytime I feel like, man, this is tough. I pull out Paul's resume. Well, that hadn't happened. I guess I can get up and do something. Hadn't lost any blood. Now I have lost blood, but it was work. It ain't because they beat it out of me. How can I not go? How can I not keep moving? How can I not be more passionate? How can I not make a difference? How can I not? So here's the takeaways we learn from Paul's Philippians 3 when he says, look, I press on. The first thing we learn is Paul's talking to the church, not to other ministers. The next thing we learn is not for the five full ministers only. The next thing we learn is this. We must remain focused to finish our race. We must remain focused. There are going to be plenty of distractions in life. I see this church. I, I, every time I walk in here, I thought, it's too big. Pastor Mark, you got to do something. It's too, it, there's not enough room. There's not enough room, man. There's more people. I see more people than what I see. And I realize we have to accommodate for that. So in order to do that, you have to create a space where the unseen can manifest the scene. I mean, even while we worship, I'm thinking, surely we can take this wall out. And I know the next question, where's the kids going to go? Let's figure that out. I mean, I'm always with him in that. With this whole acre over here, we can't even make a great presentation till you get all the facts. I mean, because, again, we first started this deal with the 30 acres, they're like, oh, we're going to work with you. We're going to figure this thing out. We're going to work it. It's going to be all right. We're going to work it. Then we finally get down to the nitty-gritty because we're working. Now they want to finally give details. And they want to act like we're over our heads. We ain't over our heads. We go over there and stand on that land and bind it up, and you'll never sell it. Because if it's what God wants us to have, you'll never be able to get rid of it. And if you do get rid of it, then the next person will sell it to us for a cheaper price. Because whole story and Gibson, Mr. Gibson retired. He's gone. He's not even with the corporation anymore. And Mr. Story, who was with, with Mr. Hole for twenty two years, went to him just recently and said, We're gonna part ways, I'm gonna take my corporation in this way direction, you take yours in this direction. Left Mr. Hole only, and Mr. Hole is the only person who ever looked at me and said, Pastor Earl, we'll work with you. In fact, Mr. Hull is the only one. When someone put in a bid for the church for the whole mall, he said, What about the church? God moved things for us. Because he ordained it. I got people in the county, uh, from the fire uh fire marshal's office all the way through the building department zoning, and they're like, Man, we can see your church here, we can see they prophesying and don't even know it. I have other pastors, Pastor Walter West, who's with Anastasia Baptist Church. He said, Pastor, I'm so excited that God's doing this with you, man. I'm so excited I'm I just can't I'm just so jacked that God is moving y'all in this place and doing this with y'all. It's stirring him up. Because we all want to see God move. And do something significant. But it requires us to press. And when I get uh, uh, a proof or amount that's not as much as the ownership wants, I can't just say, well, I'll just take my little bit and go to another piece of property. i got to stay entrenched and press and say, now, we got to do Well, we won't do but Now, we going to figure this thing out. Why? Because God wants it. And I'll walk around and call it ours and bind it. Why? We keep pressing. We've got to remain focused. Pressing requires effort. No one can coast to attain. You cannot put it on cruise control. You got to keep moving. You got to keep pressing. God gave me an opportunity to open up my schedule this year. I'm here with you fine folks this this today and I'm going up to Virginia. Because I've been in Valdosta. I'm going up to Virginia be there for a week. I'll go back. And then July, uh, the last two weeks of July, one week I'll be doing a conference down in Kissimmee. Then I'm going over to uh, uh, Tulsa to be in camp meeting. Then I'll come back. Then in August for nine days or seven days, I'll go over to Albania and teach there. Then in September, I'm going to go down to Naples because of a regional meeting. Then I'll pop up to Huntington, West Virginia, because of another particular meeting. Then in October, I'll go down to Haiti and I'll be there for seven days. Then in November, I'm going to go over to India for a week. And we're going to do something there. Then in December, we we'll had to go over into Nicaragua because we advance in the Kingdom Anchor Faith Church there as well. And I'll be there in December. Then January, Pastor Hagen will be at our place for a Living Faith Crusade. Then February, I'll go back to his place for Winter Bible. Then March, I'll go back to Greece and Albania to teach in the school again. Then in May, God's blessed me that someone wants to take my wife and I to Israel. I've always wanted, my wife's always wanted to go to Greece. And guess what? God's paying it because we sought first his kingdom. Always wanted to do Israel. I've always heard that you'll preach different, man, when you're on the places where Paul was. And I'm so excited to go and someone's paying the whole way. Why? Because I sought first the kingdom of God. I've had many opportunities to go, but it just didn't seem right. But I'm pressing, and am I pressing to serve God? This year, my wife and I really aren't taking vacation. We just can't do it. It's okay. No problem. Why? she's with me right now, and I just make a vacation our whole life. Vacation for us is just fun all the time. When I get away, it just gives me more time where I pray more, I study more, I read God's Word more, because how do I disconnect myself from God? Pastoring's not working for a corporation. Pastor is the anointing on my life. I'm a believer first, a child of God, and I'm always connected with God. I don't put the Bible on the shelf when I leave. We press. Why? Because if I start to coast, this is why, haven't you ever been on a, doing a, cause in life we are against the grain of the world. So we're always against the current in this world. And you know what happens when you go, Ugh. What little bit of momentum you had pulls you forward. Then all of a sudden, that momentum stops. And this happens. There is no just sitting there. Because the current of life is always working against you. And you'd be like, got all the way to the end of the thing. And because you're tired and not operating in the strength of the Lord, now you all the way back here. And all that ground you've lost. This church is growing so we can't lose ground when people by people not getting involved, doing more. I mean, I'm seriously, somebody's got to say, God, I don't know jack about drums, but you teach me that to get my pastor off the drum set. I mean, you wake up and say, Father, I thank you. You're bringing a drummer in. You're bringing a drummer in, Lord. I mean, you brought in a bass player. You got a guitar player. You got singers. You got this keyboard player that was not a keyboard player. I said, you're going to learn the keyboard when I passed her here for nine months. And she did. Amen. Why? Because we need to press. We need to go somewhere else. Progress is a place that must be held. If one fails to press, to uh, to continue to press, then we regress. So how did Paul stay focused? Last two scriptures. Close here. The first one is this. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 18. I thank God I speak in tongues more than you all. Paul did not do things independent of the Spirit. He did not have a natural-only ministry. Paul, who wrote over half of the New Testament, I don't care what church you go to, whether you actually believe Jesus is Lord or not, if you're using this Bible and you read any of his letters, you're reading from a tongue-talking person who was not one of the original apostles at all. So it didn't die with him. In fact, if you read the scripture right in Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Ghost came in like that and you could get filled with the Holy Ghost, he said, this is for you and for all who are called, who are far off and are called according to his name. Are you being called? Are people still being born again today? Well, if people are being born again, then you can get filled with the Holy Ghost. And this isn't weird. Why? Because it's just the language of the kingdom anyway. When I go to Nicaragua, my, my English don't work as well in certain stores. Because they don't understand me. And then they start speaking to me in Spanish. And I said, no. Puro cafe negro café negro. Solo, solo café negro. No azúcar, no leche. Es malo, right? Es malo. Now, how many y'all understood what I said? A couple. Most of you are like, he's speaking in tongues. Yes, yeah, called Spanish. It's the language of nations. So when we speak in other tongues, it's the language of the kingdom of God. And what's so awesome about that is the devil don't know that interpretation at all, but it releases God's will in the earth. And Paul goes on, or not Paul, but Jude also communicated about this. It's so important. He said this. Jude says, but you, beloved, building yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the Spirit. This word building literally means this, to build upon. It also comes from two other Greek words where the word, uh, the root word is build, or it also means rebuild, which tells us this, we as believers, we work. In my house, uh, built in 1983, I've done three remodels, three. I'm ready to sell, to be honest with you, because all I do is remodel the house. Now, it looks good, but there are certain things we've never remodeled, and we probably will. But certain areas that were great, guess what? Just through age, I have to rebuild it, which means I have to stir it up. Because what used to be functioning great, now is not. So I have to rebuild. And that happens with me. As a, as a, as a pastor or as a believer, I give out, give out, give out. Guess what? I've got to rebuild myself. And how do I do it? Praying in the Spirit. So, for Anchor Faith Church Valdosta to continue to go on, we've got to build ourselves up. We've got to pray in the Spirit. We've got to stay connected. We cannot neglect the collecting upon the same place. And then we've got to allow our serving to happen because we are pressing in, man. I mean, phenomenal worship today, man. My gosh, that was awesome. You have improved since the last time I was here. No, seriously. I mean, if you're not improving, that's a problem. I mean, Pastor Marcus was not good. He was a concert guy. I mean, he danced then, but he was trying to get everybody to get excited about all of his energy so he'd be more excited. And when they would just do this, then worship was like, I'm like, look, bro, we don't do worship whether the people respond or not. It's an anointing in you. It flows out of you to them. You don't draw on them to get something. You give something. And through years that changed. So he went from a concert guy. To a worship God. And whether you want the Spirit of God or not, He shows up, taps you in the shoulder. You want some of this? Yeah. And I see them. During worship at Archer, they're like, Man. Because people are getting out of the aisles. They're coming down front, worshiping. I got people that have come down and dance. I mean, why David danced. And he was the mightiest warrior ever. He had no problem dancing before the Lord. I have no problem people come down and dancing. Dance before the Lord. He saved you. You don't even know what they're going through. That's why they're dancing. Are you with me? So we gotta stay stirred up. If you're serving, serve more. Continue to press. If you've been serving, you've taken some time out. Time to get back in. You gotta say, man, I've got to be able to be in places so this place can grow because people's lives matter. We are here to ignite the city, impact the nation, and influence the world. It's worth every bit of extra time that we do. Because the only job that's going to matter when it's all said and done is what you're doing for God. He's not going to say, well, my gosh, man, you did pretty good, man. I was looking at your taxes while you were down there, and you did a pretty good job. God will not look at that. He'll say, what would you do for my church? Because it's the only thing he has not delegated. For someone else to build. Matthew 16 says, Jesus said, I will build my church, which means he's going to hold you accountable for your work in it. And if he's building it, he's the one in charge saying, "Uh uh-huh. How how come you never came to work on Sunday? And you want me to pay you something? There's no reward for you up here. You were too busy making your own way. Oh, man, this is preaching good. This is good. This is why we press. This is why we push. This is why we drive. Why? Because we want eternal glory that's way bigger than this natural one. Whoo, hallelujah.